Welcome to Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone and the Libertarian Institute. Today I am joined by Kenzie Puff. You, sh you can find her at KenziePuff.com. She is a wife and hoppy. And at KenziePuff.com, you can find great shirts like the one she's wearing now that say, so to speak, by a uh, certain German philosopher. Kenzie, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. This is going to be fun, I think. You tweeted out on March 22nd, a shot heard around the world, and you said, <laughs> women are born knowing the rules of the game. Men are conditioned not to dare ever learn them. All the red pill does is teach men the rules of the game. This infuriates many women because we all know what happens when men and women compete with the same knowledge. What are you talking about there? <laughs> so I think... A problem that a lot, which is completely fair. We all know there's no room for nuance on Twitter. There's no room for explaining yourself. And that's why, even though I saw the tweet going up and people getting angry, I'm not going to add on and explain because there's just no point of that on Twitter, which is why I'm glad you invited me on because now I can point people to this and be like, okay, I talked about it more and explained it more here. Um, my, me talking about game, and that's why I put the red pill in quotes, was an analogy. So, I guess the best way to describe it as, so for me personally, growing up a woman, it's not that I secretly knew things and was like using them to my advantage and like was conniving towards men or anything like that. It's just growing up and being exposed to more red pill content online and talking with my husband and my brother and other men, I didn't realize that there are big differences between the male and female experience from a very young age. Things like boys being treated differently in school, girls inherently doing better many times in school, um, boys being punished for their rambunctious nature and things like that in schools. I didn't experience any of that, obviously, because I'm not a man. So those were things that I saw happening, but I guess just didn't really think anything of it. And to me that I hate using the word privilege because that's such like a dirty word these days, but it really was me being unable, even though I was a tomboy, um, I was not a very super girly girl growing up. And I did have a lot of male friends when I was a lot younger, but I never talked with them about, so why, why are you in detention? I just didn't do my homework. They would be in detention for things like throwing little, you know, paper airplanes and stuff around the classroom and messing around and having too much energy and, and chatting and making jokes about the teacher and things like that. I was just there because I just didn't like to do my homework. <laughs> I never thought to ask men those things and ask men how their experience was any different from my experience. And so when I said the rules of the game, a lot of people took that to mean the red pill version of game, which we can talk about as well, because I do think that applies in some ways, obviously. Um, I just I think a lot of women don't have to think about where they their places in society. And obviously now we're told the exact opposite with feminism that, well, no, actually women struggle a lot. And we're told that. But when you look at the empirical evidence, it just doesn't, at least for me personally, it just doesn't track. And that's not to say women don't go through hardship or anything like that. Obviously we do. Obviously I just said I was in detention. I didn't like school and I was a girl. So there's outliers and there's things that women experience that men don't experience that are difficult. But for the most part, we live in, we live in a society. <laughs> Meme phrase now. 
we live in a world where men are not allowed to be men. And I think that that was my main point is I think a lot of women growing up and even adults do not understand that that is something that a lot of men, whether they realize it or not, have to deal with is just balancing how manly and masculine can I be without people telling me that I'm toxic. And so that was the main point of my thread. Obviously using buzzwords like red pill and things like that, people got all up in arms about it and I got called to pick me and, and all sorts of nasty things. But um, I really did not, I did not, it's not that I didn't think that that tweet would be controversial. I just didn't realize it would take off <laughs> as much as it did. Um, but I, and what's funny is I tweeted that right before I took a Twitter break. So I tweeted that and people were like, wow, she really just dropped this bomb and then left Twitter. I, every once in a while, I'll take a weekend, like Friday to Sunday or Friday to Monday Twitter break. And that happened to Gwony all this time. So I come back to Twitter and it's got like, I don't know how much it ended up at, but I was very shocked. <laughs> but we can talk about all that. Oh, anytime I find the self-discipline to just mute conversation and notifications, <laughs> I feel like I should be giving an acceptance award. It's so <laughs> difficult to turn those things off. Um, yeah. So my, my whole thing with the uh, toxic masculinity and uh, bashing men for being men simply is the lack of precision that these arguments sort of make. So it's some of the most powerful people um, in media, in politics, in university, both K through 12 and college universities, and them saying things like men can be toxic just as I'd be against negatively generalizing blacks or Russians or the elderly, I would really try to take a little bit more care. Of course, you always have to generalize to get any significant point across. So it's not necessarily generalization, but it's this vast, constant negative generalization that does not dis distinguish between a guy who's very ambitious and wants to be, I don't know what you could uh, put in the manly category, someone who wants to provide for a woman, get her a house and provide her with kids and a stable income, and Harvey Weinstein. That Both of those are toxic masculinity. So serial rapist and guy who really appreciates things like tradition and thinks a woman's role is to stay home and raise kids, which is not terrible if the other side of that coin is men have the obligation to work. That's not a totally fun thing to do. There's a lot of pressure there. So simply believing in gender roles, the lack of uh, precision is my only uh, objection to that. Do you see the same thing or am I missing something with their imprecise criticism of the toxic masculinity they see everywhere? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I actually think there's a parallel almost between that and a perception that people have about, I guess we'll just call it the red pill sphere and just ask anyone listening to understand that when we're talking about that, we are talking about the guys that talk about gender dynamics. Obviously red pill is just a matrix reference. It's not supposed to be mm -hmm. political, but in this context, that's what it'll be. Um, one of the biggest criticisms that I see and a lot of people who saw the phrase red pill and were had a visceral reaction to my tweet were people that have an issue with the red pill guys because they believe that they're generalizing women and they're making a moral judgment about women and saying women are bad and we should warn men that women are bad. And not all women are like that. We call it Nawalt in those circles. Not all women are like that, which is true. Um, but like you said, sometimes you have to make generalizations to get a point across. 
And I just think a lot of the people who have criticisms of the red pill in this context believe that they're making some negative, evil, moral judgment about women. And that's honestly just not true. (laughs) And to me, if you've read, I can see how many criticisms come off that way. Absolutely. But if you've read the material and watched these people and how they talk about topics, it, it really, I hate the word nuance because it's so, it can be cringy sometimes, but you, there really is some nu- nuance needed and, and, you know, not making a blanket statement like, oh, all the Red Pill guys just hate women. And it's really funny. A lot of people will say, oh, the Red Pill guys hate women, but we shouldn't say that uh, all women are the same, but you're making a generalization too. So there's that too. So here are three things I believed, I want to say, sophomore year in high school. I, I'm pretty sure it was sophomore year. Whites invented racism and colonialism. America invented slavery. Not an exaggeration. I'm not straw manning. This is literally what I thought. And three, men are the shallow sex, caring only superficially about looks, while women care much more about what's on the inside. They just want a really nice guy to be there for them. We know the first two are absolute lies. Do you think the third one is also a lie? Um, yeah, actually. So there's a there's a phrase that goes around the Red Pill community, which is um, men love idealistically and women love opportunistically. So there's a sentiment that women are the romantics because of, you know, the, the rom-coms and things that we love and, and everything like that. And men are the rational ones and they're not really into the romance. Sometimes you got to push, you know, your man to do something romantic because it's just not in their nature. When actually, I think if you look at the evidence, that's not really true. I think that's not a true stereotype. I think the way that a lot of men do things, maybe they're afraid to be romantic and open up perhaps, But in a lot of ways, men view women as something that should be put on a pedestal, which is a very romantic thing to a lot of people. Um, Kind of a problem, but we could get into that later. Um, Whereas women, and this is not a negative moral judgment, often view relationships as, okay, what can this man provide for me and my future children, which is perfectly acceptable. There is nothing negative about that. And I think a lot of people see Red Pill guys say that and they're like, opportunistically, oh, so you're saying women are just conniving and like just trying to get the best person? No, but also trying to get the best person for your future family is a good thing. I think that's something great in women's nature that that they should hold on to and not, and not push that away. Um, but that kind of goes against popular perceptions that women care about what's on the inside and that's all. And it's just character and things like that, which isn't necessarily untrue. You hear women say all the time, oh, I, I, ho- I hope he's funny and just little things like that, which are considered character traits. But when you really get down to it, they will say things like, I want him to have a really good job to provide for my kids, which is totally fine. Um, and I don't know why, I don't really know where that came from. Um, Maybe just like general stereotypes about women being emotional and things like that. I'm not really sure. But no, I I think that third one is untrue, too. It does sound to me like the people who uh, curse the profit motive or economic ambition. I just want to ask them compared to what? Okay, women are looking for a guy with a good job. Okay, so women should either have no standards for what a guy does with his sacred time on Earth, or they should be looking for a bad guy with a job like, All the pimps get a lot of, even if they're low-income pimps, let's call them, they get just as much attention as the entrepreneurs of the world. Really? Uh, Can we ask compared to what with any of this stuff? Or or, or has real life become Twitter where there's no nuance even in our real life discussions? 
Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's a big problem. And I get it when it's also I feel like gender is one of those things or, or male and female relationships is one of those things. There's always going to be tension. The fact that I said, when men and women are in a competition, we know what happens. The fact that I use the word competition, so many of the criticisms of the tweet were, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. I can't believe you're treating relationships like a competition. That's psychotic. And I'm like, that is not what I meant. But of course, like I said, I'm not going to go to the six people that quoted me out of like a hundred and, and explain myself to them. But um, anytime you talked about men and female relationships, people get really heated. But I do, I do think there's a reason behind that. And maybe we should use that to be able to have these conversations because obviously there's a deep reason why we get so passionate about this is because we look at the world right now where a lot of people do and say something is wrong. Something is amiss here. We can blame different people, but clearly something is amiss. And, and how are we going to deal with that? And my point was the red pill is just a way to deal with that. It's not a moral judgment on women being evil or telling men to be evil to women. It's here's a set of things that you can use to look at the world and try to navigate the modern world. Because I also feel like a lot of people, I'm Christian myself, so I am more quote-unquote traditional as much as I hate that blanket term because it means so many different things. Thank you, Twitter. Um, <laughs> I obviously see a lot of people saying, well, we just need to return to tradition. And if we get back the way things were back then, then it'll be great. And that's all fine and dandy, but how do you get there? And what are men and women supposed to do in the meantime until we, even if we could get back there, until we can? So that's, to me, that's all the red pill is doing. It's not some moral evil judgment. Um, and my tweet came off abrasive. I had a friend who is very, she's like the angel on my shoulder. Who, and sometimes she'll see a tweet and be like, I, I think this is why people are mad at you. And I'll go, okay, thank you. Thank you for coming from like the objective, very nice person perspective and trying to tell me why this came off like abrasive or, or had the wrong tone or something like that. Um, because I had like the trads were mad at me, the feminists. I got called, I got called a radical feminist and a right-wing extremist in the same 24-hour period. And I was very confused. <laughs> oh my, th that is the best case for secession I've ever heard. We, <laughs> right. we can't agree on the wording and meaning of one tweet. We're, we can't have a government together. We just can't share exactly. this. Exactly. I people. cannot live with these people. And that's fine. See, there <laughs> we go. We can Physical just separation, so to speak. <laughs> Exactly. That's, that's, all, that's all I really want. Exactly. So what is your advice for men who are trying to find the equilibrium between being attractive to a woman, like all the, uh, you know, the, everything that Zelensky's getting? It's not that, you know, well, he's saying, oh, Putin, here's everything we want. We just want uh, to be safe. He's taking a stand. He's being masculine and all this other nonsense. Yeah. Well, the, according to the, the, the main Allegedly. Lie, of, course. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, I'm talking about the lie here that they're attracted to. How can men find the equilibrium between being attractive to women without being toxic? Yeah, I, I always say don't listen to women's advice, but I'm being asked, so I will answer. <laughs> um, I, I personally think, I do think there's a lot of value, even if you're a Christian who is going to disagree with some advice that the red pill sphere gives, because you are not going to agree with them on everything. I don't agree with them on everything. Um, I just agree with their general attitude of trying to help men. Um, there are some really good content creators. Um, my first my first recommendation would find someone in real life that you, it doesn't have to be 
your dad. It can be like an older friend that you have. If you're a guy in your 20s, find a guy in his 30s that has it together, that has the life that you want. I have always said, do not listen to anyone online or otherwise that you would not trade lives with. If you look at someone and they're giving you advice, even me, like if you look at my life, I'm married, I'm, you know, I'm having a family. If that's not what you want and I'm giving advice, then don't listen to my advice. Um, my first thing would be to find someone in real life that's a male role model. Don't go ask your female friends how to get a woman. That's silly. Um, which is why I said I usually tell people don't listen to women's advice. But because <laughs> I just think men should mentor men, women should mentor women. That's my general idea. It goes both ways for me there. Um, and that's how things were for hundreds of years. <laughs> um, find someone in real life that's a mentor. If you can't do that, because I do realize in the world that we live in right now, a lot of guys don't feel comfortable doing that. They might be more awkward. They might feel better talking to someone behind a screen or reading a book that they think is going to help them. Um, then get into the red pill sphere and try to wade through that. There's a lot of grifting, as we've all seen over the past three to four months in the red pill sphere, um, of guys just saying they're masculine. And then you find out about their deep, dark past. and You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have been listening to this person. And actually, the original red pill guys, people like Rolo Tomasi, advice that they give is vet your guru. So you should never be treating someone whether in person or online, like they are the end all be all. I'm going to listen to everything they say. All you can do is take in the advice, read the books. Like the rational male is Rolo Tomasi's book that everyone recommends. Um, read that, try to process it. If you have questions, reach out to those people. I know he answers emails. A lot of these guys answers emails in that sphere. Um, and if you decide that's not for you, then that's fine. But I think the best course of action is in real life versus online. But not everybody has the opportunity. That's what that's what I would do. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go to like my Twitter timeline <laughs> and be like, this is what Mackenzie says guys should do. Um, and I do try to avoid that. I will make threads like I did about thread pill and what I think it does. But I'm not gonna sit there and uh, book calls with people and charge hundred dollars an hour to tell men how to get wives because that's strikes me as a little odd <laughs> and not and not my place to be quite honest though some people might be triggered by the not my place phrase but yeah that would be my general advice yeah when it comes to um what Hoppe correctly points out as the uh, vital importance of narratives or prevailing interpretations of past historical events when it comes to things like politics. There are narratives in the gender dynamic sphere that are so vital that I will. Uh, I spoke with a uh, woman this morning and we just had a little time to kill. And she had, you know, asked me about the whole Chris Rock and Will Smith thing and then said, but the good thing was, is that um, the women who were hosting, they did such a great job. And, you know, women have to work twice as hard to get half as far as men do. So I said, oh God, what did I say? The, the first thing I said, well, there was three of them. So did they only have to work 33% as hard? <laughs> was and, it equally they, divided? <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, and I, well, well, Amy Schumer's white, but younger and Wanda Sykes. Let's really get to the bottom of this. And then I said, okay, um, do I have to work, uh, say, half as hard if I want to become a stay-at-home parent and have my spouse uh, providing me with uh, shelter and income. According to your theory, that is what we would have to have. Of course not. I, I mean, the fact that she didn't even see that, and she just confidently says this, it's, it's not like, 
hey, here's my opinion on, she just says, this is the way it is. And the women work twice as hard to get half as far. Barack Obama said, it's not myth, it's math with reference to the gender wage gap that doesn't account for the jobs worked or the number of hours worked or the amount of value created or uh, the amount of ambition that goes into a project or risk level. I mean, (laughs) this is how they have done these things. So when Mm -hmm. I, uh, or when guys uh, come across a woman who just inherently believes that, look, uh, the feminist narrative is true. Grass is blue. The sky is green. This is just the reality. What are some ways you can maybe peacefully uh, combat that without uh, striking too much of an emotional response? Well, that's a landmine question. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I just so people know where I'm coming from, I was never, I never called myself a feminist, but I do have some very cringy Facebook posts from six to seven years ago that I read and I think, oh, why was I mad at that? I was clearly more emotional about these topics. Like, for example, I saw a Facebook post a week or so ago from six or seven years ago that said something like, some guy in libertarian spirit told me that women are less likely to be libertarians. That's sexist. And just general things like that, that you wouldn't consider crazy leftists, but are common tropes. Like you said, like the the equal pay thing and, and that just everyone kind of believes but you're never, no one ever explains to you why you're just supposed to believe them. Um, kind of like the, oh, all women are princesses and they all deserve to be put on a pedestal and things like that. And it's really hard when someone has those instilled beliefs to explain it to them without them having a knee-jerk reaction. I think probably the best way um, is to actually approach it the way that they're thinking about it. So you can't, you can't reason someone out of a position that they came to by way of emotion with facts. Um, the whole facts don't care about your feelings thing has been a disaster for the human race. That's not true. There are some people that you can sit down and show them. We all found this out over the past two years. A lot of us did. You can show them the data. It doesn't matter that what facts you show them. They're not going to listen to you. And actually, they'll have a visceral reaction most of the time. And then they're just going to completely shut down. Um, I think the best way is just to kind of get the wheels turning. Like you said, um, the woman you were having a conversation with said, women have to work, you know, twice as hard to get to get to where men in. Or, and then you brought half up as the fact, far. half to get half as far. Wow. That is very, <laughs> that's even worse. Um, I would point out to her, okay, like you kind of just jokingly said, well, there were three female hosts. So what, <laughs> how does that work out there? You could even like kind of jokingly bring it up like that. Like, okay, well, what about in this situation? And also like, is the white woman involved? Like, does she have to work less hard? Like, and that just might get the gears turning as I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe that's not always true. Also, those people are celebrities. Um, Did they have to work extra, extra hard because they're female celebrities? Or are you comparing them to normal women? Or also what is success? Like, what do you mean get to where men are? Uh, how do women get to where men are? What do you even mean by what do you even mean by where men are? What do you, in, in high position jobs? Um, as of a couple of years ago, I think I don't know if this is still true, but I, I pointed out at some point that a lot of the biggest defense contractors of the war machine that all the CEOs are women. 
Well, do they have to work doubly hard or are we just going to ignore that they exist or because every woman's not the CEO of a war machine company or like what's going on here? So I think just like poking a little bit holes like that, but get them to think about it instead of just on the face be like, well, that's not true. Are you accounting for this, this, this and this? Because they're just going to completely shut down and say, Mm -hmm. well, obviously you're just being sexist trying to explain math to me. You think I don't understand math because I'm a woman? (laughs) I can just see someone saying that. So I think well, trying to meet people where they're at is probably the best, even though that's really hard because sometimes people are at a really crazy place that you can't even go to because you can't even get into their mindset to even explain to them what's going on. Well, what happened was I had said, so uh, a woman has to work uh, twice as hard as I do to become a stay-at-home parent and you know have someone providing for her. And she goes, it, like it's such an NPC move, she goes, yeah, well, that's why we need feminism, just because women are so pressured into staying home. And I go, I, I go, look, we don't have time to get into this, but you told me that the workplace is like the root of exploitation by, you know, the evil bosses and the evil capitalist society. And that's where they want to put women into. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's like no thought goes into this at all. <laughs> one time, one time I actually, uh, I just tried to like grab their position and just like triple down. I'm like, Oh, the gender wage gap. And don't get me started on the Asian white wage gap. Oh, my God. Have you heard about have you heard about the black American black Haitian wage gap? Oh, my God. I hate that black Americans are exploiting black Haitians. Uh, We definitely need the the U.N. to step in. And those were the only two times that I've actually gotten them to say, huh, maybe this. And then the other time uh, was I said, you really think all the companies pay 28 percent more just so they cannot have women. You could just put your competitors out of business. I mean, Amy Schumer got up there and said, the reason there's three women is because it's still cheaper than hiring one man. Like at that point, don't you see (laughs) the people with like what appear to be very cushy lives, but the most successful people on the planet with more privilege than 99.9% of men that will ever exist, or even Kamala Harris or Michelle Obama talking about this. It's, uh, I'm done with that topic. I'm, I'm getting too emotional myself. It's very interesting that um, we live in an evil capitalist society of exploiting companies and, you know, exploiting all these women, but they don't want to save money by just not hiring any women. They're still hiring women. And if you look at the pay, they're still paying them the same, even though they're allegedly these evil capitalists. It's it's a whole nother topic. I feel like we could do an entire hour on just that by itself. Well, we have to stop because I become the emotional thing that I'm criticizing. And then <laughs> yes. the audience loses the small amount of respect they still have. So, yeah, I, I got to move on. So you said that you're married. Imagine you are in Will Smith's uh, and his wife's. Is his wife's name Jada Pinkett? Jada Pinkett Smith. Smith yeah. Okay. So you're Jaded Pinkett Smith and your uh, husband is Will Smith. And Chris Rock makes that joke at you. What would you want your husband to do in that situation? Live TV, millions of people watching, high stakes event. What do you want your man to do? I said, um, this is kind of a difficult topic because I, I have to set it. Okay, setting aside Will Smith and Jada's personal life, because for those that don't know, she had entanglements with other men that he just kind of sat by. She called them entanglements. You, you, you fill in the blanks there. Um, so I don't respect them as a couple or him as a man for that. He's just a broken shell of a man. And it's actually, to be honest, I have a lot of, lot of just pity. Like that's it. 
like he's just a broken man we also the memes of saw the memes of him crying and just like sitting there with a blank look on his face during that interview setting that aside um someone told me and i followed up i had some tweets about that and i followed it up with though i will say that men when men started calling the police on other men for hitting them something bad happened to society <laughs> something when when yeah. we started not thinking it was okay and of course a bunch of libertarians responded to me saying well that violates the non-aggression principle i said if someone calls me a slur like the h-o h-w-o-r-e word and my husband just sits there uh and doesn't punch the person in the face i'm gonna look at him like wow okay i guess you don't care um if jada and will did not have the history that they had assuming the slap it wasn't even a punch it was a slap assuming it was real um i don't really have a problem with it <laughs> like if everything's in a vacuum and he did that because he felt his wife was insulted um i don't have a problem with that obviously it's a little more nuanced because it's a comedian he's making jokes about everyone why specifically did you get so angry? And I actually just saw, I didn't read it, but right before I popped on, I saw that Will Smith has issued an apology for his actions and how you know emotional he was and everything like that. Um, but if everything was in a vacuum, <laughs> I wouldn't have a problem with what he did. Um, I will say Chris Rock took it like a champ. He just stood there and he was like, oh, because I feel like a lot of people, even if it's a slap, if you hit somebody hard enough, they're going to really be taken aback by it but he just kind of stood there which some people were like well that's proof it's fake but i really don't see anything wrong with people defending their wives uh even if it's a little hypocritical in this situation um and i think i, can't, I can't imagine it being <laughs> staged and chris rock not having a bad i comeback. know well i, mean, I, I did rock, see it was amy schumer of course that'd well, be the funniest right. thing i, she ever I was expecting him to like right off the bat just say something real smart alecky back to him but he really didn't he was just oh Oh, and then the audio cut out, obviously, because Will was cussing at him. And you saw he was just going like, okay, buddy, okay. And I would, if it was stage, I would expect it to have a better script. We'll just put it that way. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, and you can just see, it just seems so fake because uh, Smith is laughing at the joke. Yeah. And then within seconds, uh, you see Chris Rock respond to him standing up. And, I mean, uh, I just didn't think the joke was that bad. It, I didn't either. And, and this is not to say, you know, uh, always just sit back whenever anyone insults your spouse or girlfriend. Of course, I'm totally for the standing up and the occasional slap in the face is often necessary to people who won't stop disrespecting you. But this just didn't seem like it fell into that category. What you said, the WH term, certainly. That, that would have been, uh, yeah. That falls into it. But, I mean, just to see him... It, be totally okay with his wife sleeping with this guy August and having that relationship. But Chris Rock says something. What That's happened? That's over the line. <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's the line, the, the most squiggly line you could yeah. possibly have for a compass. When if you watch the Oscars in 2016, Chris Rock actually said something way worse. He said Jada is boycotting the Oscars, which is kind of like me boycotting Rihanna. Uh, Rihanna's panties. He says uh, I was never invited, and I go. Well, that seems a little more well thought out than G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Um, so I think it might have been both of those. But either way, I just didn't think it was a great look overall. But it, any anything else on that? 
Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a good look. I think it mostly wasn't a good look because of the history that everyone kind of knows about because they're unfortunately their private life has been so public because they're celebrities. Um, and to watch somebody get dragged through all of that and then a comedian makes just a joke, which a lot of people didn't even find that offensive. That's the trigger. I think that's what made him seem so weak and not like a strong man moment, you know, because had none of that happened and she's, you know, Chris Rock said something about that, like Jada and he did that. And then we found out, Oh, she has a disease that makes her lose her hair. So it's like, it really bothers her. Then it might've been like, okay, we'll give him a little wiggle room. It was still kind of a, a wimpy move to do that in public on, in an award show, you know, maybe go up to him after and bop him in the head or something. I don't know. But the fact they're all their history kind of makes it very, it's a very wishy-washy situation. It's like, ah, I don't really want to take anybody's side on this. <laughs> That's how I felt at least. I'm like, I'm just making fun of everyone involved. We'll just, we'll just do that. <laughs> yeah. It, Hollywood, it, it, even like a nuclear strike would be retaliatory at this point. <laughs> so we don't have to watch out for anything we say when it comes yeah. to these people who every time they get in front of a microphone, they advocate the uh, government supremacy of statism constantly. Yeah. So I uh, was sort of asked um, by a number of people to do a show on this issue, but I didn't really know much about it. So the book that was recommended to me was The Rational Male, Rolo Tomasi. This, I guess, is the first of four. There's nine iron rules. I want you and I to go through each one. You give me your response to each one. Iron rule number one, frame is everything. Always be aware of the subconscious balance of whose frame in which you are operating. Always control the frame but resist giving the impression that you are. Thoughts on rule number one? Um, I think frame is really important. Um, I I have the rational male. Um, I've read this one, and then there's also rational male religion, which as a Christian, I thought was really interesting. That one's very interesting as well, because it goes through all the religions and their relation to the red pill. Um, but the rational male is kind of the premier work that everybody talks about. Um, and frame is referenced a lot in red pill spheres. And this is very, this is one of the non-offensive ones to me because, you know, I'm Hoppian. I believe in hierarchy. There's a natural order to things. I don't think it's weird for a man to have quote unquote frame in a relationship. I think the reason a lot of people, I tried to think about when I sat down and thought about these, I tried to imagine, okay, but what if I did find something about this little sketchy, what would it be? And kind of think about that. And I think a lot of people, one, don't really understand what frame is. They think that frame is, it's just the lens that you view the world in and just make sure your wife views things through your lens. It's not frame as in frame of mind. Frame is supposed to be creating the world that you want and something that's so attractive that a woman goes, I want to be in that. I want a part of this. That's what it's supposed to be. And to me, that sounds awesome. I'm a woman. Obviously I'm in my husband's frame. I, that's why I'm married. Otherwise I wouldn't have married him uh, personally. Um, so I don't find it offensive, but I think a lot of people get confused about what it is and they view it like that last bit of don't reveal that you're doing it. People try to say, oh, that's manipulative. And it's like, well, is it really? No one says it's manipulative when you just set boundaries for a relationship, right? No one would tell a woman, I can't believe you set that boundary that you don't want to do that. You're being so manipulative. That's not a thing. So to me, the frame thing, it makes sense to me once you understand the concept and it's not just like a, like a guru, like just imagine and, 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 you know, just imagine a world. And that, that doesn't sound very masculine, obviously, 
but they mean, you know, actually creating a world that someone wants to be a part of and so much so that they just, you don't have to actively tell them, Hey, we're going to do this. Cause this is my frame. That's not frame. So <laughs> that's where, that's how I try to explain it to people at least. Yes. The evil of egalitarianism <laughs> strikes us again, any standards you have, well, then create inequalities. So really having standards and wanting what's good for yourself and others, that's that's really exploitative and really evil to the other 7 billion people. <laughs> it's it, much better to have no standards. Um, iron rule number two, never under pain of death, honestly or dishonestly, reveal the number of women you've slept with or explain any detail of your sexual experiences with them to a current lover. Yeah, so uh, the sex ones are a little tricky because I'm Christian. So uh, when I was personally reading this book, some of those I had a visceral reaction to like, oh, that sounds kind of scummy. Why wouldn't you like be honest with someone? Then I had to take a step back and think, okay, how weird would it have been for me if on our first or second date, my husband just sat down and was like, I just want to be honest with you about where I'm coming from. Here's all the women I've dated. Here's what they've, all the bad things they've, and good things they've said about me. And laid it out like that. I would have thought this person is psychotic. Why are they? I mean, I was also 18 when we started dating. Uh, so maybe an 18 year old would think that was a lot weirder than someone in their mid 20s. But still, I think either way, I would have been like, why is he telling me this? And I think a man would have that reaction too. Um, I think a, a peep, uh, I personally don't have a problem with this. The reason that a lot of people do, I think, is because a lot of people believe that if you don't do this or if you're not explicitly saying something, then you're being dishonest, which I think there's a little, there's a blurred line to that. Just because you don't immediately talk about something or spill your guts to someone doesn't mean you're lying to them. Um, and I also just think that speaking from personal experience, I, I don't want to, I don't think I could trust someone that was using me as an emotional tampon. Like if a man was constantly telling me, oh yeah, I had this bad relationship and you're dating someone and they keep bringing one. If you're dating someone, especially a woman to a man and the man keeps bringing up past relationships and oh yeah, me and this girl did this thing. You're going to start to wonder, oh, why is he doing this? That to me seems more scummy than just not talking about it and just progressing the relationship. And maybe if it comes up, down the line, maybe, but I, I personally, I don't, I don't think, especially about personal subjects like sexual history and stuff like that. I wouldn't want a man like sitting down and spilling his guts to me that honestly, <laughs> this might be controversial. That seems like a very feminine thing to do, like to sit down and just spill your guts and just be emotional about things and just be totally, you know, whatever that, that doesn't seem like a very masculine thing to do. And I think that and frame kind of go hand in hand. If you want somebody to respect you, they need to just kind of trust you on that and just trust that if it was an actual issue, if there was something in your past that might actually become a huge issue, you need to be able to trust that the person's going to bring that up and not need to lay everything out on a first or second date. Otherwise they might be hiding something. It's like, well, if you think they're hiding something, why are you with them anyway? <laughs> so yeah, that's where I come at from that, from that. Iron rule number three, any woman who makes you wait for sex or by her actions implies she is making you wait for sex. The sex is never worth the wait. <laughs> this one really makes people mad. Um, <clears throat> for multiple reasons, I think. So 
I think the reason why this one makes people mad is people take this rule as meaning, guys, go out there and the goal, your only goal should be to have as much indiscriminate sex as you possibly can. That's not the point. <laughs> the point with this is supposed to be determining whether somebody genuinely desires you or they're just kind of pulling you along because they, they like want free stuff from you. They're doing that kind of thing. That's all it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to mean go out and bang as many women as you can. If she doesn't bang you on the first date, then you failed as a man. Um, it's just supposed to illustrate, which is talked about later in the book, that genuine desire if a woman has genuinely is attracted to you, um, she's going to show that. She's not going to like play coy and be like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe I like you. And that would like, that should come off as a red flag. If someone's like, I don't know, we'll see. Um, and I think, obviously, if you're coming at this from a Christian's perspective, like I am, you might have problems with the premarital sex thing, completely understand that. Um, but there's other ways to determine that, too. I just think the wait for sex thing is, unfortunately, it's so common in society, um, this discussion about premarital sex and things that that needs to be a rule. Because a lot of guys don't understand that women might just be dragging them along for the ride and want all the things that a relationship has, except physical attraction to each other, which should be a huge red flag. <laughs> you should be physically attracted to the person, man or woman, that you're with. <laughs> that should not be controversial. <laughs> Iron rule number four, never under any circumstance live with a woman you aren't married to or are not planning to marry within six months. I love this one. The reason why I love this one is because, one, I feel like it's completely reasonable. Um, and I actually feel it's funny. I never see this one be touted as controversial as the last three. Um, or were we on four? Were we on four? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was four. That was fourth? Okay. As the last four. And I think it's because this really, to me, isn't that controversial. This just seems like common sense. And I actually see a lot of women's criticism of the Red Pill Online being, all you're doing is creating forever girlfriends. You're stringing girls along for sex. You're not giving them anything more. And that's wrong. And that's morally reprehensible, which I can agree with to a certain extent. This rule makes it clear the Red Pill guys aren't into that. If you're living with a woman, you shouldn't be treating it like you're in a marriage if you're not married. That's not a good idea. Um, and I think, you know, you could argue over it. Well, should it be six months or should it be this many? But I think just the fact that this is in the rule should show people that it's not women are evil or men should manipulate women. It's you need to decide whether you're in or out for this and whether she's someone you should invest in and vice versa and make a decision, which I think is a good thing. Rule number five, never allow a woman to be in control of the birth. I love how it says the birth. <laughs> it makes it so mysterious and mystical. I don't know. Um, a lot of people get angry at this one because they take it as it's fine for like a man, for example, to like tell a woman, oh, you need to get an abortion or something like that, which obviously I'm Christian. It's morally reprehensible. Not down with that. Um, but all this one is supposed to mean is as women, when I have a baby, I know the baby's mine. There is no doubting that <laughs> it comes out of me. And, you know, I carry it for nine months. I know the baby's mine. Uh, men don't know that, especially these days. Um, if you're married, hopefully that would be the case. But, you know, the fact remains, there's a lot of people that have babies outside of marriage. I don't like it, but it's just a fact of life. And all this is supposed to tell men is <laughs> basically wrap it up. Like do everything you can to make sure if you're going to be having premarital sex with these women, 
you're not going to get a choice once she's pregnant. She's going to decide if she want, what she wants to do with that kid, whether you see the kid, whether the kid even gets to exist anymore. So you need to do everything you can before that to try to, if you don't want a kid, take some precautions. Don't count on the women, woman you're with to hope she's on the pill or she told me she's on the pill. So she is, you know, that's not a good idea. So to me, this one kind of sounds controversial, maybe because of the wording. But when you actually think about it, to me, it's not really that controversial of a rule. All right. Now we're getting into the controversial zone. <laughs> Rule number six. This was one that when I heard it, I just recoiled because I was like, well, he's certainly speaking negatively of all the <laughs> women that I know and love. So uh, I want you to keep that in mind when okay. you're uh, responding to this. Iron rule number six. Women are fundamentally incapable of loving a man in the way that a man expects to be loved by a woman. Men believe that love matters for the sake of it. Women love opportunistically. Yeah. So we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier um, when it came to the um, romantic versus rational and things like that when it comes to how we view men and women. I think the key phrase here is the way that a man expects her to. So he's not, when you just read this, you're like, is he saying women can't love? He's just calling us monsters. Like when yeah. I read this for the first time, I recoiled too. I was like, I love my husband. What is he trying to say? You know, but I think if you actually think about it to say that men and women deal with things, love, respect, all of that included the same. It's kind of egalitarian. Like not everybody views things the same. A lot of people view things through different lenses. So if you're trying to like take a step back from an emotional reaction, which is completely understandable. I had one and think about it like that. Um, there's some truth to it. Like we talked about, Men and women have different priorities in a relationship. Uh, women want somebody to provide for them and stuff like that. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's how civilization survived for thousands of years is women being able to look at a guy and saying, I don't know if you've got what it takes here to make sure that my kids and I are safe. That's good. That's women viewing things opportunistically. Maybe opportunistically is kind of a dirty word though. But I think if you talk it out as it's not a negative judgment. It's just, it's just kind of how things are. Um, and not every woman is the same. I know we can say not all women are like that, but a lot of the things that the red pill talks about there, it's not like, I know it's called the iron rolls. It's just supposed to be something that you use as a guide. And I think for a lot of guys going into things, thinking that a woman is going to be romantic and because we talked about guys in a lot of ways are way more romantic when it comes down to it about relationships than women it's not a bad thing it's just kind of a flip of what we expect um and we agreed that 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 was a thing and that's true and sometimes the stereotypes are flip-flopped that's basically all this rule is saying um is that a lot of guys go into things and they think oh she's just gonna like you know rave over me and all the time and do all these things for me just right off the bat and it's like no, a lot of times with women, you have to prove that you, you're worth doing things like that. Like a lot of the people in my family who are have been married for 30, 20, 30 plus years, um, you see how much the wives love their husbands and the things that they do for them. And you don't think, oh, I bet she's doing that because she knows if she doesn't, you know, it's not like a conniving, manipulative thing. You think, wow, I bet that person is a really good husband to her and that she's doing this out of appreciation. And to me, it's, it's basically saying the same thing. I, my husband provides for me and my family. So I get him plates at Thanksgiving and it makes all the feminists in his family mad. 
it's really as simple as that. It's not like, oh, I'm thinking, oh, well, if he slips up once, if he loses his job and doesn't get one in three months, I'm gone. It's not, it's not something like, it's not like twirling mustache like that. It's just kind of a fact of life that I think it kind of comes down to the egalitarian stuff. We want to, we, we can acknowledge men and women are different, but when you bring it up in, in relationships, a lot of people get really uncomfortable or have a rec recoil automatically. Um, and I don't think we should. I think it's, it's just something we should kind of just understand. We got to have a line to respond to the feminists with when they, uh, <laughs> when they complain about getting a plate for your <clears throat> husband, my God, you, be like, you, you should be like, you know what I was just thinking of, you know, all the male genital mutilation called circumcision that goes on. And, and then I was thinking of how all men have to sign up for slavery. You know, it's called conscription. And yeah. I thought, you know what? I should get him a plate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, we just have to, I have have to hold plate. back we just so have to bad. delivery. Um, by the way, I'm totally stealing your face and voice when you said it's kind of egalitarian. I wish I would have used it in my last relationship. We would always argue the, the waiter always gets 20%. I go, well, what if we sit down for a long time and we only get drinks? We should pay him a lot more. And what if they do a terrible job? She's like, always 20%. I wish I could go back and go, that's kind <laughs> of egalitarian. It's so funny. My, my followers make fun of me so bad. But really so much of this comes down to egalitarian and like blank slate equalism and things like that. And I think that's actually something that kind of drew me to the red pill in a way. Because if you listen to their streams, a lot of them use the word egalitarian in a negative way. And I'm like, yes, there's other factions of society besides, you know, libertarians and, and hoppians and things like that. They don't think this is bad. This is great. This is great. So I think it's important people kind of keep that in mind, especially like more right-leaning people. Because I can see some left-leaning people thinking all oh, this is bad. And well, of course we're equal. What are you talking about? But when it comes to people who supposedly don't like egalitarianism, I'm like, okay, take a step back. Think of the word egalitarianism in your head. Is this really good? No, it's not. <laughs> God, what an opening they've given us there. You should be like, democracy, it kind of, it reminds me of like a God that didn't succeed. It's sort of like a God that failed. That, wouldn't you call that egalitarianism? Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Uh, just, just one more thing on rule six. He yeah. says, because men want to believe that they can be happy and sexually satisfied and appreciated and loved and respected by a woman for who he is. Any further thoughts on Iron Rule 6? Yeah, so I, when I read that, I was like, well, I like my husband for who he is. And it's like, well, yeah, I do. Obviously, I like my husband's personality and I like to be around him. I'm not, it's not like he's just a paycheck. But there's, I think for women, there's more to it than that. And for guys, I hear so many guys, especially younger guys, say, I want a girl who has x y and z hobby like i do and i want her to be able to talk about this and it's like okay but do you want a wife and a girlfriend or do you want a boyfriend because it kind of sounds like you want a boyfriend like men and women are different women are gonna want you to provide to not just have things in common with them and like that's a really frank way to say it but that's what it sounds like when these guys are describing the idealistic partner i'm like that's your bros like what your bros love you for who you are and that's fine but they can't give you babies so like you need to figure this out if you want kids of course so yeah i think that last bit people get caught up on too but then when you actually think about it it, it kind of does make sense it's because i think a lot of people read this immediately as well he's saying women are bad because of this no he's just saying this is how women are that's it so I think that's something people need to keep in mind, like with all of these. 
Yeah, wanting the same hobbies as uh, I guess they're not looking at it in this sort of like division of labor appreciation that people no. like us might have. It's like we need this yin and yang. We need to complement the provider uh, and the one who stays home. Whereas they're like, oh, we got We got to be available on the same dates to go to Comic Con because uh, if our work schedules don't match up, then <laughs> then one of us will have to stay home for Comic Con. Like, yeah. Really, it, you know, and, and also it makes lying nearly impossible. When yeah. uh, when you have the same hobbies, oh yeah, I'll just call them and I'll double check. Uh, well, you got to smooth things over every now and then. The same hobbies—that just sounds exhausting. Yeah. Iron rule number seven: It is always time and effort better spent developing relations with new, fresh, prospective women than it will ever be in attempting to reconstruct a failed relationship. I don't see how this one's controversial at all. Yeah. I just really don't. I This is one of the ones I read and I was like, yep, makes sense. And I went to the next rule. Um, I will say, I did try to think about it a little bit more. I'm sorry, um, can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, go for it. J just to give people an idea of what he means. Yeah. Even if you could go back to where you were, any relationship you might have with an ex will be colored by all of the issues that led up to the breakup. You will never escape her impression that you were so optionless. You had to beg her back to rekindle her intimacy with you. Yeah. And like, that makes sense to me too. I just don't see how that's controversial. I think a lot of people, yeah. and he does discuss this um, concept of one-itis, which is basically the feeling that I have this one woman and now we're broken up. What am I supposed to do? And that's when you get these guys saying, what can I possibly do to repair this relationship? Mm -hmm. I need, and they will actually, and I've seen guys do it and it's always so sad. And you feel sad for them too. Not just because it's like, oh, they're pathetic, but man, they really, they have nothing else but that woman. And no woman wants to feel like this guy has nothing else going on except me. They might say they do. <laughs> and a lot of women act like, oh, I'm his whole world. He, uh, You don't want that. You want them to have other things. Like my husband has hobbies things he does without me. We just talked about how weird it would be if you had all these hobbies and you did everything together and how weird that is. That's kind of what the concept of one-itis is. Like, I cannot live without this person. It's like the Disney prince and princess and the you'll find the exact right person for you. And if you screw that up, it's over. Um, nobody wants to feel like that. Like, I... This is kind of getting into the next rule a little bit, I think. But like, no, I hate when people say things to me like, your husband is so lucky. I'm like, ew, my husband is not lucky. I mean, I'm great. I'm not saying I'm not, not saying he doesn't think I am. But to look at me and be like, he's so lucky. That to me says, oh, your husband, he's just a schmuck. And he's just really lucky that he ended up with you. And I'm like, no, he's a prize. I don't know what you're talking about. And I think if you break up with a woman, and you come crawling back. And like I said, I've seen guys text girls and be like, please, I'll do anything. You're my whole world. No, nobody wants that. Like even, even if she says like, oh, I love guys and be in touch with the emotional side. Also, you just might get the cops called on you for and get a restraining order on you if you do that in, in today's modern era too. So it's just, it's never a good idea. And like he says, it's never going to be the same because your illusion has been shattered especially if she's done something like really bad like cheat on you or something like that you're never going to be able to get past that and you're always going to wonder in the back of your head well why am i with this person again if she cheated on me like obviously she's not the woman that i thought she was and you're just treating her way better to be honest than she needs to be treated at that point so 
Exactly. You're trying to display your value, not apply for uh, the notebook sequel uh, that <laughs> right. Ryan Gosling is just too old for. It's <laughs> not not going to happen. Iron rule number eight, always let a woman figure out why she won't fuck you. Never do it for her. Yeah, this one, again, seems completely, uh, completely uh, makes sense to me. I maybe the phrasing is a little bit crass for some people, but if you think about it, it makes sense. No one wants somebody coming up to them and being like, yeah, I mean, I have all X things wrong with me and unloading all their personal problems and being like, you want to go out on a date sometime? That's not, I can't think of anything less attractive than someone explaining all the reasons why I shouldn't date them. And then look at me and be like, but do you want to go out sometime? Like I can, I can be fixed. You can fix me. It's like the, you can fix me instead of I can fix him thing. Nobody wants that. Now, if you have flaws, she's going to notice them, but don't tell her right away. Like It's like we talked about with the, with the other rule. Don't sit down and be like, here's my sexual history. Just thought you should know. Don't sit down and be like, here's all the reasons why you shouldn't date me. Now I'm going to ask you out. That's very weird. And, and you think, well, no one's doing that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Guys are very self-deprecating and, and they will just go off and just list all the reasons because they think it's funny. in a lot of times, um, and give the woman reasons to be like, well, you said that. And I'm sorry, that's a deal breaker for me. Just just don't do that. <laughs> it's just not a good idea. And he he gives the example in Iron Rule number nine, never seriously self-depreciate with a woman you intend to be intimate with. He says, um, this is a textbook example of how men will resort to self-depreciation tactics in order to provoke an it's okay, I understand sympathy response from a woman with the expectation that she'll take pity on him for being a flawed man and give him a second or third or fourth chance or any chance at all. So it's almost like, I think some guys see, a, uh, see it as a Hail Mary. Like, you know what? Uh, the things are not going the way that uh, I thought they would. I'm just going to have to put it all on the line here and see what happens. Yeah. I think that's the reason why like self, because here's the thing, there's a way to kind of poke fun at yourself. It's it's not saying never poke fun at yourself. You hear women say all the time. I like people that are humorous. I love my husband's sense of humor, but my husband also doesn't sit there and constantly be like, I'm just not worth anything. I just really don't know why you're with me. There's a difference between that and poking like, oh man, did you see the way I threw that bowling ball and completely missed? That was stupid of me. Like big difference between those two things. Terrible example. Um, but you see what I'm saying? There's ways to joke about it and not come off as completely like Hail Mary, pathetic. Please just give me one chance. Like why would anyone want to be with someone who's who's begging you you shouldn't have to beg the person because then you're just going to make that person think in the back of their head. Well, if you don't like you and you don't think you're worth anything, why would I, why would you think that I would? And I think a lot of the times men are just expecting women to like, maybe it's the be their better half thing. I hate the phrase better. My better half. Stop it. That's a, that means you're 50, 50 again. Don't make me say the word. Um, but uh, it, nobody, nobody wants that. I know there's people that are like, no, I love when people get in touch with their feminine side. No, you don't. If you did, you would be dating a woman, hopefully, and not hopefully dating a man if you are into feminine side of things. <laughs> but I'd love to see a company just embrace that <laughs> idea just to see how successful they are. Our products are shit. You don't waste your money. <laughs> this is our marketing. Don't Here's buy our, our products. <laughs> Here's our website. Visit it if you want it probably doesn't even work. I mean, we suck so bad. We uh, our IT department sucks. <laughs> Thanks for watching.
or yeah. not. Sorry, you had to watch this. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you can't pretend that that's going to attract customers the way no. a confident organization would. Definitely so, not. No, the interesting thing, and the reason I think right-wingers are uh, like us are so okay with this, it's not that there's necessarily an attraction or like just this love for this message, but I think we don't have the such emotional response because he says uh, one of the primary foundations of game awareness is basing your estimation of a woman upon her actions and behaviors rather than her words or implied intents. This principle is founded on behaviorism's cardinal principle. Behavior is the only reliable evidence for motivation. So when we're used to watching all the politicians, all the professors, all the people in uh, the military industrial complex say the nicest words about caring about freedom and democracy and the well-being of the poor. Now that we've had 10 years of practice and seeing through that nonsense, extending it to one other field was not too ridiculous. And we already do it with guys. Guys are looking for uh, very attractive women, opportunistically searching for a woman that they really like. So so all we do was just took our worldview and extended it a little bit, whereas the average progressive is like, hold on, everything is now totally different than what I thought it was. Um, do you have any closing uh, statements on what women really look for in a man and what uh, men and women can do to sort of bridge this intentional divide that the political class is creating? Yeah, so I something I want to touch on about the red pill and my thread and kind of tying it back into right wing and like how we can actually use it to better the world and, and get away from these things. Um, which is why I like it so much. Like you said, a lot of these things we've been, we've mentioned egalitarianism several times. You would not think, I think a lot of people would be very surprised that that was even brought up in this conversation. And it seems to me a lot of people can take that even some right wingers, they can take all that but they get to the topic of gender dynamics and how men and women relate to each other. And they freeze up and they say, I, I can't say that. I can't say men and women are different. And it's like, what are you talking about? Even some Christians, which is insane. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't, did you not read the Bible? I don't understand. Men and women are different and it's good. Um, there's this concept, like we kind of talked about at the beginning, the Red Bull guys are just twirly mustache, evil people who hate women. Um, one of the most common things I have heard Rolo himself say other red pill guys with their channels that draw out off of his work and other people's work is men and women are not equal. They're supposed to be complementary to each other. Yeah. And I think honestly think that's a really beautiful way to look at it. When we're pointing out the differences between men and women, we're not making value judgments or saying men are evil or women are evil. Like so many ideologies do like feminism. And to be honest, a lot of the black pilled guys who some people read this red pill stuff and they do get really angry at women and they get into a really bad place, which people like Rollo actually condemn those people and say, listen, you got to get over that river. I get this is kind of a shock to you, but get past it. This is just how things are. These are the tools that you can do to use to navigate through that. And that, that's all it is. And in many ways, I think that's what a lot of people like us do online with discussion and, and telling people to read the philosophies and, and economics and things that we're into. We're not. And this is why I, I'm not a doomer. I am not one of those people who's like, oh, things are so bad. The world is crashing around. No, we have the best tools probably ever to turn the ship around and reveal, pull back the curtain, so to speak, uh, on, you know, everything that's going on and show people what's going on. And then 
come up with actual solutions to fix it. And to me, that's all the red pill is doing when it comes to gender stuff. That's all that we're trying to do when we talk about things like the military industrial complex and things like that. It's not to say, oh, look how bad it is. It's to say, here's what it is. We know that now. Whereas maybe our parents and grandparents didn't realize what was going on. We do. Let's move forward knowing that and, and come up with strategies to actually fix it. So I think the best thing people can do is just educate yourselves. If you're someone that's listening to this and you had those visceral reactions like Keith and I even talked about, we had visceral reactions to some of those rules. And then we thought about it and maybe warmed up to it a little bit. I think a lot of people have that when it comes to libertarianism and right wing ideas and things like that. They have a visceral reaction. But when you look into it, all this stuff is connected. Um, and I think that's something that people need to remember. And uh, we've got the tools. We just need to put them into action. <laughs> it, you and I are on the uh, pro-life uh, aspect of the libertarian wing. And I, I remember that it was one of the things that I held on to for like the shortest amount of time. It was like that and circumcision. My Right when I came across opposing arguments to these, I was like, all right, I've been wrong for like 10 years on this. I, I, yeah. I The only thing worse is being wrong for 10 years in one day. <laughs> I'm going to start right now and I'm going to go back. I think it was first hearing an abortion doctor. So that was like, okay, at the very least, second and third, that has to be off limits. It, yeah. We have to treat it as though it's a baby. But, you know, uh, first trimester, that abortion is totally legitimate. And then I came across the concept of size in the universe so if you keep zooming out people get really really small and you could even see like these big heads on easter island a thousand <laughs> times bigger or something bigger than a human being but we could still see more value in that human being depending on who it is of course um <laughs> and then i go well the fact that we're talking about like a seed of a human being that is still something that we need to appreciate. And for us to barbarously say it's no more than a pimple is totally uncivilized. We're not appreciating. I think Rothbard said it so well in Egalitarianism as Revolt Against Nature. He goes, if men and women were like ants, just totally interchangeable, who would care if they live or died? Oh, they're oppressed by what? Something that's totally you know, inane and similar to them themselves no it's this ability for human beings to experience the world to have senses to have emotions and uh, build each other up in productive capacities whereas the animal kingdom is just uh when at the expense of others people produce and engage in win-win uh trades so with this that was just me explaining why i am no longer uh pro abortion or even take a default position i take the pro-life position why are you a pro-life anti-abortion advocate yeah, so I'm adopted. So that's like the biggest reason. <laughs> um, I I will say I did go when I first got into the liberty movement. I didn't know that there were pro-life libertarians. I thought you take the default. Like you said, a lot of people weren't. They wouldn't call themselves pro-choice, but they would take a default position. Like, well, it's not my decision. Shouldn't be the states either. That's that. Then I would start talking to them and I could tell they were pro-life. They just almost were scared to talk about it because they didn't want to get called, you know, oh no, a libertarian calls you a fake libertarian. What could possibly be worse than that? Um, and I would talk to these people and I just come at from a stance, I'm adopted. My birth parents could have easily just been like, I don't want to deal with this. We're not going to try to find an adoptive family for this person. It's really, it was always hard for me, even in that brief point where I wasn't calling myself pro-choice, but I just said, oh, none of my business. It was literally my personally my business 
quite literally, my business was being adopted instead of being aborted. That was my business. Um, so that's kind of where I come from on a personal level, just to be completely candid. Cause I think a lot of people, if you're not personally invested in it, you're not gonna do that. I also just legitimately, my brain just cannot comprehend any woman being pregnant and thinking that that's normal. I don't know what level of psychosis we're on that you can be pregnant, feel the changes in your body sometimes see an ultrasound and that's why the numbers do go down after a woman gets an ultrasound. And that's why a lot of pro-life people advocate for that. Cause it's really hard to see that little heartbeat on the screen and think eh, it's fine. It's just an inconvenience. You know, it's so hard. So those are my two kind of personal reasons. And then just philosophically, like to me, all this stuff makes sense. Um, when I first got into libertarianism, a lot of people told me you can't be Christian in an ANCAP. And I would just laugh at them. And I'd be like, "Thou shall not steal." I'm That's like, all you gotta say. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and then I'm like reading through the Ten Commandments, and I'm reading Rothbard, and I'm like, "I don't know, guys. This seems pretty <laughs> compatible to me." Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, Rothbard was married to a Protestant woman. I'm a Protestant. There you go. That's all I need. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I, to me, it all it all ties together. And you know, I I think it says a lot that Mises one of Mises' premier works is called human action. Libertarians care about as much as we get accused of only making people numbers and, oh, all you care about is capitalism. Libertarians are supposed to care about the human element and how humans are affected. Like you just gave the universe analogy and how it all ties together. And so for me, the, pro, the pro-life position was the logical position. I care about humans. I care about families and how families navigate through society without coercion they should be able to why would i not take that to the logical conclusion of when you first appear on the scene which is in your mother's womb it just makes complete sense to me so that's my logical reasoning for it <laughs> well and that was i gotta say i hate this senator um who was questioning uh the supreme court justice uh who's you know testifying He's usually so bad on everything, but he had said, when does life begin? And you can tell he's sort of you know, grasping at this abortion topic, yeah. which you could sort of see, well, there's the law and then there's your personal opinion, which yeah. is totally fake, as, as if you could uh, make a ruling on free speech without having a personal opinion. Right. But then he says, at what point does equality under the law come into existence? So hmm. five-year-old, 10-year-old, because- Therein lies the uh, connection, the in, the undeniable connection between you wanting to get this position. And of course, she said she doesn't even know what a woman is. This, this uh, was just such a fake charade. I'm not a biologist. But, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> God, that, that was bad. It's so bad. You have to know that when she just has some, some talk to yourself time. Oh, that was bad. Am yeah. I really buying into this? This is how deep it goes. I, I, I don't know what a woman is but I believe in equality for them. How do I Ow. believe in equality for a thing? I don't know what it is. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that, that was really good that this is at least being brought uh, to, to the forefront yeah. where it's becoming more and more dangerous. It's not that I was ever afraid of libertarians calling me a non libertarian. I was always afraid women would call me a sexist or, Oh, He's dumb, primitive. He's not even like real progressive. I'm looking for a really nice progressive guy. 
that's what I no always thought. No goodness, no opinion. So, <laughs> yeah, really. You yeah, were never on Epstein's Island. You can't have an opinion on that. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, women are being, a woman's being beat across the street. Maybe you should stay out of it. You're not a woman. Like, no, you would never say that to someone. It just, yeah, it's yeah. all absurd. This is the Kyle Rittenhouse cross state lines. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, you've got to be so uh... dumb. You've got to be so dumb. <laughs> Um, okay. Final question. What's your favorite, uh, Hans Hoppe book? Oh, this is so difficult. I, I, uh, I, I can go first if you need a okay, second. To you go first. I think I know, because but you go first. It, because it's still difficult. The, <laughs> uh, the fact that he has the Marxist class analysis, uh, mm. companion in his ethics and economics of private property makes it so so valuable and then the last chapter is rothbardian ethics i mean he just knocks down every single thing um that uh, th that you could think of i also like a theory of social socialism and capitalism where he finally comes up with a consistent application of communism being the abolition of private property capitalism being the full recognition that's why anarchism and capitalism are actually complementary but i gotta say the last four chapters of democracy the god that failed are so so unbelievable and his yeah. natural order ones at the beginning uh with the importance of low time preference i gotta go with the god that failed how about you oh god that failed is probably up there but just i i will say the thing that made me people have been calling me hoppian for years and i was like no i haven't read that man i don't know who that is but i was already saying things probably because i started reading late rothbard the dreaded rate late rothbard of course the natural conclusion to me is you read hoppa so maybe that's why um but then i actually started reading hoppa and got more comfortable calling myself that without you know being more familiar um but the thing that really did it for me they kind of pushed me over the edge democracy is amazing i think there's a reason that's one of his most popular books um and I think it's just presented in such a compelling way. But the thing that got me finally on board and I, actually really helped me a lot with my personal beliefs was um, getting libertarianism right. Um, mm. because I think there's a lot of libertarians that cling to the I'm above it all. We're And it's almost like a we're better than the left and the right thing, like we're better than you instead of just embracing. And in that book, it's a short book. It's is it is short. It, it might be as shortest actually. I I'm, I've got almost, it's gotta be close at least. Um, but that, and it's, I think it's quite recent. Um, but it's, and the forward by Sean Gabb is amazing. Um, but in that book that really finally made me comfortable being able to say, like we've been talking about, this is completely coherent. All of these positions I hold, none of them, I don't need to pretend like I am better than all of you people. There are natural allies that we actually have in the political sphere. Um, not to say we can't criticize them, but it's it's okay. It's okay to say that you're right wing and you're libertarian and there's nothing contradictory about that. Um, and so I would have to go with that one. But democracy is definitely a very close second. Um, but just personally for me, I think just because that finally allowed me to just be able to accept that I'm not a little baby Lulbert anymore and that it's okay. I'm a Hoppian now and it's okay to call myself right wing, even if it makes some other libertarians mad. Um, I got to go with getting libertarianism right. And I would honestly, I think that's one of his more, I won't say easy. Hoppe is not an easy person to read a lot of times, but it's definitely really digestible for the average person, I think. Whereas sometimes stuff like democracy get, gets really deep. And if you don't have the foundation, you might get a little lost, but 
getting libertarianism right is awesome. Check her out at KenziePuff.com. Mackenzie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.